Power is not a four-letter word. Often when we think about power, we associate it with manipulation and underhanded deals. The reality is that power is not always a negative thing. We each have to use it to reach our goals every day. Understanding what power is and how and when we should use it is critical to thriving in leadership. This is a Cook Children's Podcast. Welcome to Pediatric Leadership, the new medicine with Dr. Justin Smith, helping physicians become innovators in medicine. Now, here's Dr. Justin Smith. Today, we're going to talk again with Mary Ewell Bean. If you didn't catch our last two conversations, you can find them on checkupnewsroom.com slash pediatricleadership. Mary's the BNSF Endowed Professor of Leadership at TCU um, Neely School of Business. She teaches in the Advancing Healthcare Leadership class, which is a combined initiative between Cook Children's and Texas Christian University. All right, Mary, thanks for coming on again. I'm excited to talk about this topic because I think it's such an important one and one that pediatricians and healthcare uh, leaders in general are, are very um, afraid of. It's one that I have a lot of passion around because so many people misunderstand power. So it's, it's absolutely crucial that we have a good understanding of it because it, it runs everything. It influences everything. If you're not using power and using it effectively, you're not getting things done. Now that I have learned about it, which wasn't that long ago, so I'm no expert in it, but I've certainly seen how day in and day out, whether that's with an interaction with an administrator, maybe someone I'm dealing with at an insurance company, uh, maybe it is even with a patient. And again, I even hesitate to say that because I don't want it to sound like I'm using it in a manipulative way. But we do use sort of our relational capital in a sense. And so we need to talk about like how that figures in. But why am I so afraid of it? Why is power such a taboo subject? It's because we use the word power when we mean the negative form of it. So when we say somebody's using power or they're powerful, it usually implies that they're overpowering. They're overpowering someone else. We recognize it as power. When power is used effectively, we don't call it power. We call it other things. We call it influence. We call it charisma. We call it motivation or inspiration. So we put these great words around the positive use. But the reality is it's still power. So power is the ability to influence. Now, if we think about leadership and what leadership is, it's not just being in a leadership position. Many people also mix this up and think that leadership is only management positions or people who are in formal roles. Leadership is using influence to create change. So leadership and power are fundamentally intertwined. If you are engaging in leadership, you have to be using power. But again, because we associate leadership with management and with position, we think that leadership is position power. So position power is authority, it's reward systems, it's coercive power, which is punishment. But leadership, and not necessarily associated with a position, you could be doing this in a formal position or informally, uh, is associated more with personal power. And personal power is the ability to influence based on expertise, based on the way you communicate, based on information, based on connectivity. So you want to be able to develop and use personal power. So I'm going to go down to a real granular example here. So one of the ways that I've really been thinking about this a lot um, has to do with the vaccine debate. And this goes down to really a direct patient care issue and how you can use a power. And again, hesitating to use that word because I don't want it to be misinterpreted. But I think for so long, as we've been sitting in front of a patient who has concerns about vaccines, we've relied on this leadership power to say, well, I'm the doctor, I know best, and you need to do this. That's authority. And that's authority, yes, right. Yes, or position power. Right. And so I think it's becoming less and less powerful in a sense, less and less effective. And what I tend to do instead is I tend to rely on, hey, look, 
I know you, I've taken care of your child, I care about your child, I want to do what's best for them. And I do this for my own children. And so I try to use a little bit more relational power and a little bit more give and take with, well, where where do your concerns lie and how can I address those specifically rather than just relying on what is now becoming less and less but a uh, knowledge gap between me and the patient. And what you're describing now is personal power. So the reason we go to position power is because of what we talked about in the complexity modules, which is that it's related to authority structures. So we tend to think that power is authority structures. It's using authority. A lot of doctors historically have used their authority, and patients came to them respecting that. But along with this fundamental shift, this shift away from authority, we know that people just don't respect authority in the way they used to. And that's forcing individuals to have to use more and develop more personal power. But they don't know how to do that. So it becomes more challenging to think about, well, if I'm not using authority, I'm not being powerful, how can I do this relational form and still be feeling like I'm in power because it shifts the relationship? But if you think about power as influencing, and if you think about it in the context of working together to get something done, it's actually the more powerful form of power. And going back to the vaccine example, one of the things that I'm seeing, and I completely understand why practices are opting to do this, but there are plenty of practices who are choosing not to see patients who aren't vaccinating. One of the issues I see with that is, and I think it's just something we need to consider and be aware of when we're thinking about these decisions, is that when you make that decision as a policy for the clinic, you never have the opportunity to build personal power with the patient because they call and the receptionist asks, are you going to be fully vaccinating? And you say, no, well, you never have any opportunity to build any relationship with that family. And so you're basically pushing them onto someone who may never bring up the issue at all, may just sort of passively allow you to not vaccinate without even sort of discussing the risk and benefits with you. Or another thing it does is I think it increases distrust with the medical field to some degree. And so It's hard because I certainly still understand where they're coming from and why they would make that decision. But I do think it decreases the opportunity for having those conversations where you might actually be able to exercise some personal power. Well, I think the key is that there still is room for authority. So it's still important to use position power and use authority. And I think that in the vaccination case, authority is important, but you have to understand that people are not going to listen to it. That's where that personal power comes into play. And the best way you can do it is, as you say, developing relationships. But if they understand your expertise. So the forms of personal power that we talk about are expert power or referent power, which is respect. So referent power is when you build personal power in such a way that others respect you and they they want to willingly follow you. So the key to leadership and to power is getting willing followership. People who listen to you and follow you because they want to and not because they have to. And all too often in systems, what we've done is relied on authority that gets compliance. And as we know, compliance is not a good way to go. It's not an effective motivational tool. Right, and so clearly from what you're saying, if power is about affecting change, then if we want change to happen and we want to have our ideas taken on, then power is not just important. It's, it's, you can't happen without it. And this is where new forms of power come into play. So authority will only get you so far. Personal power can really help you influence to create change. So it can really help you be a leader. So what you want to do to try to influence change by using power is you want to develop your expertise so that other people will listen to you and and they understand it and they rely on it. They need your expertise. If they don't need your expertise, if there's no dependency, there's no power. Uh, You also want to 
um, have connections so that you can be able to, to connect with people who have the ability to get things done in the organization. You need information, so access to information. And again, the understanding of politics. I think that we talked before about the idea of framing things up in the organizational mission or vision. But politics is knowing where the, the formal authority structures lie, knowing the individuals who can block something, and then you want to develop a lot of relationships so that you can try to get through that. And you don't want to do it in a way that you burn relationships. Sometimes you need to, but you don't want to do that very commonly. So you're trying to do relationship building as you do this by finding ways that you can connect the needs again and help other people. You don't want to overpower. Helping other people, for me at least, is a big key towards developing power and to be able to sort of make deposits over a long period of time so that when it is time to cash in and uh, try to affect change, you have, um, and you don't do it in a way that's intentional or manipulative. You're not intentionally making deposits to withdraw, but you'll just find that when it is time to get something done, if you've been helpful uh, with that person before, you're much more likely to have a relationship to where you can ask for what you need. I'm glad you brought up the issue of manipulation because that also makes it a dirty word. Um, when people perceive that you're using power or developing it for manipulation, that's associated with self-interest. If they see that you're out for yourself and you're trying to benefit yourself and you're advancing yourself at the expense of others, then it's not going to be perceived positively. So the real key, again, is in how you use it. We talk about that as personalized power versus socialized power. So personalized power is I want the power because I'm power hungry, I'm, I'm greedy, I want to win, I want to achieve, I want success. Uh, but socialized power is I'm developing power for greater good. And that's the form that we need more of in organizations. We need people to really develop socialized power so that they can influence to help patients, to help the organization, to help everyone have a better environment. And I think that sort of points towards where you may see a leader who is not dominating, is not aggressive, but in reality, they're the best leader you have because they've constantly um, been out there to help others. And then when at times when they get elevated to a point of leadership, um, they're ready to go because they know everyone, they've been helpful to them, and they, they're, ready to, they're truly ready to affect change, not just because they've been uh, controlling everyone along the way. And again, they're using personal power. So what's really interesting is that in leadership now, especially, I think it's always been this way, but I think it's more pervasive now. Leadership doesn't look like what we've historically associated it with. So instead of somebody being in charge, being in control, being the boss, directing, leaders are really ones who develop the personal power, but they use that to empower others. So the key is that if I'm gaining power, you should be gaining power too. It shouldn't be that you're feeling powerless. The problem occurs when others feel powerless. And we can all think of examples of that. That happens all too often. I think that happens with physicians sometimes when they exert their authority or they get frustrated and they use that kind of control form of power and then others around them feel powerless. That is not an effective use. It's not going to benefit anybody in the long term. So you need to think about how I'm not intimidated if others have power too. It's about sharing power and building power overall. I think that's great. And I think there's avenues where physicians use power inappropriately. And then also, we also feel powerless, um, too, in certain contexts. So if we're sitting down with administrators and we get a, a, a firm no to our initiative, uh, we feel powerless and we may stop right there. 
but the reality is if you, you know, maybe retry or try a different angle, again, that administrator may then say yes, and a, both of your power is, is improved because, or increased because you, um, you're able to get your initiative accomplished. You've actually tapped into something that they need. Well, then the next time that you come with an idea, they may be much more ready to hear it because you've already sort of built that personal power. Exactly. And then I think the other thing that's interesting about power is the different forms related to gender, which we talked about in the class as well. In our discussion, what surfaced was when I presented the two forms of power, so a more feminine form of power versus a more masculine form of power. Um, both are power, and they're both fine. They're not one is better than the other. They're just different. But a more feminine power is more power with, and it's more about community and more about meaning, whereas a masculine form of power it really tends to be a bit more power over. It's a more assertive, more competitive, more status-oriented power. And it doesn't mean it's a man or a woman. So I, as I described this in class, I was trained in business, and I was trained by male mentors, and I was trained in a very masculine model. So I can do masculine power really well. Um, I don't necessarily do that all the time. But if you're trained in a feminine power, and I think that's what the pediatricians were saying, it was really more predominant feminine, then you also find yourself in situations where you're in a masculine use of power and you don't know what to do. So then you experience that feeling of powerlessness because it isn't your style. It's not comfortable to you. And I think one of the things that may be actually uh, different across different institutions, I think pediatricians as a whole probably do tend to exhort more feminine types of power, but even cook children's more so uh, because we're not an academic institution where we're out to get tenure or needing to do research to further our careers. We do tend to be pretty collaborative and have that kind of culture. And I think we maybe tend to... Uh, attract that type of leader. We may tend to recruit that type of leader and hire them. And so we may have sort of built that in a sense. And it might be interesting to see what the balance would be in another institution. We have dispelled some of this taboo and myth that power is always a bad thing. And I hope that the listeners can understand that if they want to affect change, they have to use power at some point. And I hope that we've also um, helped them understand that there are different types of power and that being adaptable or finding someone who can help you in situations where different types of power are necessary is an important skill, an important thing to do to advance your career, to advance your ideas so that you can actually affect change, whether that be at your, your local um, hospital organization or the national subspecialty uh, organization that you belong to. And what I would say is if you want to affect change, if you want to be able to represent your interests, if you see things that you know are, are wrong and you want to fix them, you have to have power. So I would say tell yourself all the time, power's good, power's good, I want power. And understand that, w that power is not overpowering. It's not being powerful over other people. It's having power with in a way that you can influence. And it's feeling powerful. So if you have to think about this, think about times when you feel powerful versus when you feel powerless. And you can just in, just in that thought, feel the difference. Powerful feels really good. It means that I'm enabled. I'm, a, I'm not a victim. I'm in charge. I can influence things that are happening to me, and that makes me feel good. Powerless is I'm a victim. Woe is me. The world is awful. And it's a terrible feeling. So for yourself, you want to be powerful, but you also want to make other people feel powerful. And if you notice that people around you are feeling powerless, 
you can see the signs of that, then you're doing something wrong. Awesome. So we are going to be coming up on the next three weeks. We're going to be covering how leadership changes uh, through the generations of your career in pediatrics. And so we're going to be talking first with a young physician, Dr. Matthew Carroll, who serves on a number of boards at our institution, uh, but is a young physician just getting started in his career. And we're going to talk through the difference with other physicians on the subsequent podcast. We're going to talk about how things change and certainly how you use power uh, and your understanding of power will change over time. And so I think that this is a good foundation for what we'll be talking about through the next three weeks. So I hope that you'll come back and listen next week with Dr. Matthew Carroll. You can find more episodes, or if you'd like to suggest a segment, go to checkupnewsroom.com slash pediatric leadership. 